VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 649, recorded on Cinco de Mayo, 649th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 482nd episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dinsley. I'm Scott Turk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Right. No gaming flashback this week. Um, we're going to be talking about what we've been playing. I finally finished, got all the way through Life is Strange True Colors. And I have only one real complaint about it. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, I was really bored by the evil mining company subplot that runs everything. You know what I've for her preferred to happen? Just have a girl with strange powers. Someone gets killed, and she has to try and help the the, the community cope. And she either fails, uh, succeeds, or fails depending on what she does. We don't need the subplot of you know the um, the entire government conspiracy subplot it was unnecessary i'd rather just talk about the characters and um and how they feel and just focus on that just remove all the just say oh you know what uh there was an accident and uh you know people are blaming each other you know and that sort of thing and just just focus on that that was the only thing that was interesting to me i really was not interested or invested in the evil mining company subplot because in the end it went nowhere and also was unrealistic the way it was resolved so, anyways, that was my big beef. Um, I've also gotten back into bug snacks because at least now I can get uh, achievements for doing it, and mm-hmm. I'm getting much further than I did before. That's basically it. What have you been playing, TJ? I've been playing the holy heck out of Rogue Legacy 2. Okay. I uh, I love it. It's <laughs> It might be my indie game of the year at this point. And it's going to be hard to unseat it because it Rogue Legacy one was also was already excellent. Uh-huh. Rogue, Le- Rogue Legacy two is everything that was good about Rogue Legacy one. They don't reinvent the wheel; they just add something to like every corner of it. There's more classes in the game. There's more biomes. There's more. Uh, there's more traits. There's there's actually like a gold bonus for taking bad traits, which like actually gives you a, a risk versus reward for playing with like something like you take one hit of damage and you're dead. But I think we should just that. start talking about what this game is. It's a, it's a roguelike. <laughs> sure. It's a it's a two D scrolling roguelike. It's a roguelite uh, action platformer Metroidvania. Right. Um. But it predates, like the original Rogue Legacy predates Dead Cells, predates uh, Hollow Knight, predates a lot of these games that have been that have been around that people consider to be like the staples of the genre. I would say that to a degree, Rogue Legacy established a lot of what other other games have done so well in this genre. Right. So. Rogue Legacy basically takes a page from uh, Void Bastards, and basically every time you die, you have an heir, and you have to. They have a different set of weapons and talents 
from from a like a dozen character classes um and you use the gold from previous runs you know it's also like uh uh dead cells i think you already mentioned uh-huh. that yes um but like these uh these characters every time you pick an air they get, they have different traits for them and you can get uh you can get stuff that actually like helps you, like vampirism, which every time you kill an enemy, you get a little bit of health back. Or you can get stuff that is just like innocuous, like instead of having a, a every character gets a single magic ability, and instead and uh, there's a there's a trait called IBS, where instead of having a magical ability, you have exploding farts. Right. We should mention that this just came out of early access. Mm-hmm. It's been an early access for a year. It just got its 1.0 release at the end of uh, April. April 28th. And, yep. Yep. And it's on it's on PC right now, and it's on uh, Xbox. Very right. specifically, those two. I would like to see it come to Switch because it seems like a perfect game for Switch. But for right now, it's PC and Xbox. Yeah. Um, I've been talking to people who've been playing and they said they had, uh, they played it like for 20, 30, 40, 50 hours and they have not gotten bored at all. Yeah. It's, it's really that fun. There's so much variety to it. Like the classes alone are just really fun to play with because there's this, in fact, my favorite one, the bard, they added this bard class where you have a loot and every time. You yeah. Loot, the bard is always, is the one that everybody has screenshots of. <laughs> You shoot out notes, and then you have a spin kick that every character can do in the game. If you jump and do the spin kick off of the notes, they release an area of effect blast. And every time you do a spin kick, they do more and more damage as long as you don't touch the ground. So you build up like some insane damage as long as you can stay in the air just dancing around on your notes. Have you seen this, uh, Scott? No, I have not. Okay, well, just do a just do a Google for it, and uh, you'll see what he's talking about. Because uh, we should also mention that the cell shaded graphics are really great looking. Mm-hmm. It's really, really well animated too. Like I really like the the gait of your character because they, ru- they like they don't run and they don't walk. They kind of goose step march forward with their weapon all out in front of them. It's uh, it's really funny. There's a lot of there's a lot of personality throughout the game. It's hard, but I think one of the stars of Rogue Legacy 2 is there is actually a house rules accessibility menu. And in that menu, you can reduce the damage of enemies, you can reduce you can increase the damage that you do, you can uh you can increase the amount of gold that you take back or or decrease the amount of gold you lose when you start a new, when you have to choose a new character. You can even turn it on so you just can float at all times and don't even have to go through like platforming. If you, if you get anxious <coughs> to platform through spiked rooms, just turn on this floating ability and you can just float through the area. So you can make the game as hard or as easy as you want. And I think that's really, really cool that they put that in there for folks that get anxious about the difficulty of a roguelite game. Oh, by the way, we should mention the developer of Celador games. Mm-hmm. So they did an, a fabulous job on this. It's an excellent sequel. If you like the first Rogue Le- Legacy, this is better and this is improved upon in every way without changing the core of what made the first good. And no, if wait. you haven't played it before, wait, 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 wait. Are you mean to tell me that Solidor Games made a game that's better than their epic game? Don't shit your pants. 
<laughs> I didn't know that was them. That was them. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, and if you haven't played Rogue Legacy before, Rogue Legacy 2 doesn't need you to have any sort of experience with it. It is it is self-sufficient and you can jump in as is and really enjoy it. Actually, you know, Don't Shit Your Pants was their very very first game. Well, there you go. It was back in 2009. So from from Don't Shit Your Pants to Rogue Legacy. That's that's <laughs> the uh that's their arc. So here's the thing. Um, the first Rogue Legacy has been on PlayStation 4, 3, Vita, and Switch, and also Apple. So I'm I'm pretty sure that at some point it'll make it to those platforms too. Uh, the thing is that what really surprises me is that for a game that's on PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series XX, I'm shocked it's not on Game Pass. And they already said there's no plans to bring it to Game Pass, although that's... Nothing, that's saying nothing. They could be say, just saying that so that they get the sales first, you know. This seems like the sort of game that would instantly be on a on a subscription uh, service once it, you know, after like six months. It'll just be, oh, by the way, Rogue Legacy 2 is on Game Pass if you want to try it out. Yep. So, yeah, if you haven't had a chance, if you really like the a good action platformer, a good clean-looking action platformer, give uh, give Rogue Legacy 2 a look. Have you played Full, Meter, Full Metal Furies? I have not. Okay, that was them too. That that came out a few years ago, and it's it has its own charms. Let's just say. Anyways, Scott, what have you been playing? I have been playing tri- Triangle Strategy and uh, Minecraft, and uh, I'm progressing through the golden path of uh, Triangle Strategy. Going to go for the best ending, <clears throat> and uh, I'm enjoying the game. It well. has a lot of fun and doing an alternate path allows me to try different choices and it makes it feel like a, a new story in a way oh don't be coy scott we know what game you're going to be playing next week oh i know so for those who don't know aiden chronicle rising is coming out next week on the 10th and uh i know scott's been looking forward to that game for a very long time yes uh it'll be a side-scrolling action rpg that has uh, town building aspects and you have three main characters that you switch between while you're fighting and <clears throat> and you have you know and there's a story going on too there's supposedly a conspiracy and some uh it's a mining town and they looks like they found ruins with some rune lenses and uh it's a whole thing so we're gonna find out more about it when it releases on may 10th did you back it yes okay okay for those who don't know um it was backed on kickstarter and it's also going to be on game pass which gives me no excuse not to try it out myself Mm-hmm. so anyways um actually i i do have to mention this i'm getting very close to buying star citizen I am very, 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 very close. <laughs> it's it's just my shit, you know? It's what I want Elite Dangerous to be. Because here's the thing about Elite Dangerous. It's very big, but also at the same time very empty, you know? Um, this world of Star Citizen is crafted, although they are using um, procedural generation, but only to do stuff like rivers and mountains and eventual roads and cities, you know, on their planets. But everything else, I mean, some of the cities that you can visit are just gorgeous and really well-planned. Um, there's a 
a very uh, there's an architect, um, a major architect who's actually playing Star Citizen, and he releases videos on YouTube talking about how things register with him as an architect, how, why things are, and his praise of a lot of things, and some critiques too. You know, if you ever, um, I, I forgot his name, but if it was an architect reviews blank whatever of Star Citizen, and um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this, and I might just buy in. Although knowing myself, I'm more interested in Squadron 42, but they have an entire team working on that as well. Hmm. I mean, if it's gotten to the point where like you feel like it's a good investment, I know that's one of the things that's been like those who have bought in always knew that they were going to enjoy it. Those who have held off, like we're waiting for it to move along in a substantial way because it's been in early access development. It's been an alpha access. <laughs> no, it's still an alpha ever. Yeah. But, forever. but here's the thing. It is so impressive, even as an alpha, you know, because I know what role I'm going to do in that game. I already know I'm going to be an explore, uh, explorer and, um, a, uh, a, a uh, supercargo, uh, delu- uh, what's it called? Shipper. Uh, supercargo means passengers. And, and, you know, maybe even there are some ships that are just gigantic because, uh, what RSI said was that one of the biggest economies in this game is going to be recovering crashed ships. And these, uh, these, the reclaimer is just gigantic. Its foot is the size of a spaceship. <laughs> but everything is well thought out, you know, well thought out and just so, I mean, between this and, um, you know, Bethesda's game coming out, Starfield, you know, it's it really is a uh, a renaissance in, in space simulation. And oh, by the way, um, there's a lot of um, uh, Frontier actually released their roadmap of Elite Dangerous. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, uh, TJ, but they've released a new roadmap about what they're going to be fixing in the next year. So a lot of people have been really criticizing frontier systems for their lack of uh, transparency and now uh, they are showing uh, uh, a nice little uh, thing so i think star citizen is actually is actually kicking elite dangerous in the ass as well as no man's sky but no man's sky is a different beast altogether no man's sky is all about well it used to be all about the exploration but they added a lot of um well you know this they added a lot of base building and stuff like that but yeah i mean the only thing that gives me pause is is the idea you buy ships in real dollars? No, I think they said that you you can buy them eventually in game. But you know, I mean, people are the architect is rich enough that he could take the five thousand dollars that he spent on ships. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I sometimes let all the Star Citizen commercials play and pretend I'm in the future, and these are just regular commercials on the uh, on my TV. It's sort of like. It's it's gotten my creative juices flowing, and like I said, I'm getting ready to buy into Alpha Citizen. I mean Alpha Citizen. I mean Star Citizen. I don't know when, but it'll be soon. Um, the one thing that gives me pause is that the architect also reviews review um, reviewed all the starter ships that you can have, and he says the starter ships are pretty outdated, and it might be a good idea to wait for them to make them more you know up to date. Because the ships that come out, even if they're cheaper, they're more well thought out. So we'll see. I already know I'm an Origin Systems guy. For one thing, I've always played Origin games. You know, Richard Garriott, the Ultima games, and Auto Duel, and so and so forth. But they also have the sleek Cadillac look that I'm looking for in a ship, <laughs> which is the kind of ship I was uh, piloting in Elite Dangerous too. 
So yeah, Star Citizen. It's very, very slow, but at least they're not just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. It's just a case of developer had big ideas, and for Christ's sake, we're going to finish those ideas. <laughs> yeah, well... I, if you do end up going in, I'm interested to hear how your experience goes because like they have evolved it so much over the years, and I really hope it pays off uh, and ends up what you're looking for. Well, here's the thing: I've not, I've not even considered buying Star Citizen for what eight years now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like long enough. Oh, it's it's starting to sh- come into real shape now. I mean, are some of it. Well, go ahead. Are you going to buy in on the uh, forty thousand dollars Starship edition? No. <laughs> <laughs> If I do it, I'm going to buy in on the $85 combo, which includes Star Citizen, a ship, and um, Squadron 42 when it comes out. Yeah. Um, Like I said, you know, um, the only thing that I'm worried about and I hope they deal with is, well, they're probably smart enough to know how to deal with the griefers. We'll see. Uh, The thing is that if you go to jail, you have to mount mount an escape from prison. (laughs) It's just – it's – Here's the thing. They're trying to build an entire universe, and by that, cities and everything. If you ever see other ships, you know, you have crew locations and places to sleep, places to, you know, they have bathrooms, they have captain's quarters. It's like living Star Trek. Nice. Like I said, uh, just look at the Architect Star Citizen videos, you know, and they might say, you know, actually, (laughs) but you really have to be into uh, this kind of game, and I guess I am. Like I said, you know, second life didn't work out. Let's see how this life works. Actually, I may get back into Elite Dangerous with my Oculus because I have to use it for something. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to the quick news. Uh, Just one item. Someone tweeted at Microsoft to release the 27-year-old source code to 3D Movie Maker, so they did. And this is thanks to Phone and Microsoft. 3D Movie Maker is now open source. And I will say this. I have Movie Maker... I still use it for really very quick videos, you know, just uh, title screen, black, black screen, um, video, captions, uh, simple editing, and, you know, stuff that doesn't require a lot of, you know, just stuff that's bang, 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 that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. It can handle 4K, which is fine. I mean, it, it goes up to uh, HD, which is uh, 920 by uh uh, 1920 by, I forgot the other part, uh, 1280, I think it is. It goes that high re- resolution, which is fine for, for now, just regular HD. Um, so I'm glad they're bringing it to open source because, like I said, Movie Maker is simplicity, and sometimes you just want something that's simple, you know, extremely simple. Yeah. Um, I never used it before, but, uh, I mean... It's free now, right? Like it's basically yeah, it's free. free. It's it used to be included with Windows. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, boing boing boing. That's it. You know, nothing, no frills, just quick uh, editing and uh, um, you know finalizing, and boom, you have a video. It's good to go. Hmm. Anyways, uh, we're gonna move on to game news. Go ahead, TJ. All right. New York City sues Activision Blizzard, says Bobby Kotick is unfit to negotiate the Microsoft buyout from PC Gamer. Activision Blizzard is facing yet another lawsuit, this one filed by the New York City 
employees retirement system and pension funds representing the city is fire department, police and teachers. The suit available via Axios claims that CEO Bobby Kotick was unfit to negotiate a sale of the company to Microsoft and made the deal in part to escape liability for his role in enabling workplace misconduct and abuse. The plaintiffs say the lawsuit arises from an October 2021 demand to inspect uh, Activision Blizzard's books and records as part of an investigation into its board of directors, specifically its failure to maintain a safe and non-discriminatory working environment for its specifically minority and female employees and failure to take action in response to repeated grave allegations of misconduct, discrimination and harassment by Activision's senior executives. Activision partially complied, according to the complaint, but then on January 18, while the inspection was ongoing, the company announced the acquisition deal with Microsoft. The plaintiffs say the agreement undervalues Activision Blizzard, not only on the basis of the share price premium, which the suit describes as a paltry 1.16%, but also because it does not account for the value of derivative claims the plaintiffs were developing separately against Activision Blizzard. Those claims will go away if and when Activision Blizzard becomes a Microsoft subsidiary. Microsoft Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard is subject to regulatory pr- approval, which could be troublesome. And while some lawsuits have been settled, others continue to pile up. In, a, in March, an Activision Blizzard employee filed a lawsuit for calling for Kotick's removal as CEO because of his failure to address the company's problems. So basically what they're saying is that the entire reason Activision Blizzard is being sold to Microsoft is so that Bobby Kotick can get away with his money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's a reasonable claim because Bobby Kotick has sucked at this since the very beginning. His his only job, his only effort has gone into making money, which he's done, but that effort is largely just make more Call of Duty and also and, kiss kiss China's ass. <laughs> and he has gutted other he has gutted other studio like other developers under the Activision Blizzard brand. Uh, he has gutted departments. He's gutted games. Uh, under his leadership, things like Warcraft 3 Reforged happened. Things like people going on work trips and being harassed so much they committed suicide happened. And let's not forget about the entire Hong Kong thing. The Hong Kong thing in which uh, a Hearthstone in which a Hearthstone champion was banned. No, not even the not even the not even the player. Forget the player. You know, the announcers are bad, even though they were hiding under the uh, they were going, oh, shit, don't do this to us. And they got the blowback, too. Mm-hmm. And then to top it off, Blizzard China said the strangest shit. They said they said we have to do this for the glory of China or whatever it was, you know, sort of like what? You're an American company. You know this, right? Yeah. And then like and then there's there's strong allegations that Bobby Kotick actually helped protect a known abuser and kept him from being fired and actually like and actually like overrode the the board's vote against firing the guy in favor of moving him around the department and putting him through some sensitivity training. 
Well, here's the thing. I think Bobby Kotick is going to find trying to get that golden parachute is going to be a lot harder than he thought it would be. Good. Fuck him. He's, <laughs> He's the worst part of Moneyball and, <laughs> and everything else about him. Mm. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Scott? Yeah, I'm here. You're next. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Okay. All right. Uh, game news. New York City sues. No, Activision. Reggie. Reggie fees me. The next one. Okay. Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. Okay. Reggie Fizeme warned Nintendo about Game Boy Micro. This is from Eurogamer. Former Nintendo of America boss Reggie Fizeme has revealed his uh, misgivings. There you go. Has revealed his misgivings on the launch of the Game Boy Micro, a project he had said his company was forced to launch despite its concept being a non-starter. Writing in his newly published Disrupting the Game memoir, Fizeme said he was surprised to hear of the plans for Game Boy Micro relatively late in its development, and despite Nintendo moving forward on focus on Game Boy Advance successor, Nintendo DS. From my perspective, the concept of the Game Boy Micro was a non-starter. Fizeme wrote, the hardware was exceptionally small. Not only were the control buttons difficult for any reasonably sized adult, sized adult to manipulate, but also the screen was tiny. This ran counter current consumer electronics trends of making screens larger. But development of this hardware had continued, and now we are forced to launch the system. We should have talked about this long ago, I told Nintendo of America colleagues Don James and Mike Fuka. Uh, the lesson here was that Nintendo of America leadership needed a closer, closer relationship with other executives in the American company and better sharing of information, Fisa May concluded. Do you ever use the, the Game Boy Micro? I never heard of it. <laughs> How about you, a teacher? No, I had not. Okay, so let me, let me describe how small this thing was. Uh, you know the, um, the Nintendo GBA carts? Mm-hmm. It was barely taller than one of those. <laughs> huh. And it was ugly. Uh, it looked like something from the 70s. And I don't mean in a good way. I mean in a bad way. They were just... They were just putrid looking. It looks it like it looks about the size of that uh, Zelda little well, clock Game Boy thing. Oh, that's yeah, just it. Here's the thing. The game watch is what it should have been. But the uh, like I said, you know, you, it, it's just was a non-starter. It was a non-starter. The um, if you if you look at the uh, buttons on it, it's just like they're too tiny too. I mean, even even the game watch, uh, even the uh, game watch knew the proportions it should be. This was just t- it. Like I said, it was ugly as sin for one. I guess I'll have to check that on the pile of uh, failed Nintendo experiments like the uh, Virtual Boy. And, oh, by the way, uh, the Game Watch screen is far bigger. This one was, like, tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny. It fit, it fit in the palm of your hand, tiny. And, like I said, I don't know what people were thinking. Yeah, like, this looks like it would... 
be just plain uncomfortable to handle. Yeah. Like the, the button placement, the handling, the way it's set up, it doesn't look, it, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like hand cramp city. Yeah. I mean, it's smaller than a person's hand. And the screen is even tinier. Mm hmm. And it's still in the black and white. Yeah. Oh, no, there, there were colored. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. And there were, oh, I thought you were talking about the design. I mean, oh, no. there were different colors for it, but it's just, no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like I said, there's a reason. There's a reason why you never heard of this thing. <laughs> now that I remember it, I remember it being on the shelves for a hot second. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, but the go ahead. <laughs> and they were making this as they were making the DS. Yes, which is even stranger. You know how like, my, you know how Nintendo likes to create its for uh, its new form factors of old old stuff. Yes, but this is like. This is a weird one. This is a weird looking one. Yeah. And <laughs> the only the only value it has now is for retro collectors. Good thing they got to the DS because the DS was far better. Yeah, I bought a launch GBA and I bought a launch DS. <laughs> I stayed away from the micro. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Uh, Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase announced for June 12th, and this comes to us from Polygon. Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda Software will hold their annual gaming showcase, which is typically aligned with E3 in June, on Sunday, June 12th, at 10 a.m. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Microsoft announced that. Okay, you know, I'm just going to start this one. Sorry. Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda Softworks will hold their annual gaming showcase, which is typically aligned with E3 in June, which we know is no longer this year. And I'm wondering if it's going to be around next year or the year after. We don't know. It'll be on July, Sunday, June 12th at 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Microsoft announced on Thursday. The live stream uh, show promised to feature amazing tiles coming from Xbox Game Studios, Bethesda, and our partners around the world, Microsoft said in a statement. The Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase will cover the games covering, coming to Xbox and PC platforms, including new releases for Game Pass, and the show... The show will be streamed on Xbox's YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok channels. Jesus, you know, do you? I wonder if people have to decide: Do I want to watch this on YouTube or watch it on Twitch? Oh, maybe I'll watch it on Twitter. Uh, maybe Facebook, not TikTok. Why would anybody show this on TikTok? I know they wanted to buy it at one point. Anyways, viewers should at least expect at least two Bethesda games to show up during that event. Uh, Starfield and Redfall, both of which are slated for release in 2022. On the Xbox Game Studios side, there are many announced but still undated games that could appear, including Obsidian Entertainment's Avowed, Rare's Everwild, Avalanche's Studios' uh, Contraband, uh, Playground Games' Fable, The Initiative's Perfect Dark, Ninja Theory's Senua's Saga Hellblade 2, Undead Labs' State of K3, and Obsidian Entertainment's The Outer Wilds 2. Um, I am... Really hoping they show Everwild and Contraband. Those those intrigue me the most because I've heard the least about them. Hmm. Yeah, I think out of the things that I would expect to see out of it, I am uh, I am most excited to see more of Redfall. Yeah. And um, are you interested in seeing uh, Giant Junk in Senua's Saga? <laughs> you know. <laughs> That game does look dope as heck, and I and I trust Ninja Theory to do an incredible job on it. I I want more, and uh, and in fact, 
You want more giant junk? Okay. I'm also interested to see more of Rares Everwild because when they first showed that game, it looked it looked like a world I wanted to be in. It looked like a world I wanted to inhabit, whether it was like an actual game or whether it was just like some form of media. You know what? Actually, I know what. I know I, what you know what it makes me think of? Wait, I want to interrupt you just. You know what it reminds me of? It remi- It looks like a 3D world version of Spiritfarer. I thought it reminded me of uh, of like an of like an interesting take on like an Avatar: The Last Airbender world. That's true. With, and either way, it looks magical. It looks fun. And I know that they've restarted development on it since they we first saw those first reveals of it. But I hope they keep that magic. I hope they keep that charm because it looked like it something that I want to be part of when it when they first showed it. I don't think anything from Perfect Dark will be shown because there's been a lot of drama with that title lately. Yes, the uh, the the developer has been going through quite some uh, quite. I think they've had their own allegations of toxicity in the workplace there, and a lot of burnout. And uh, it's sounding like a bad time at that place. Yeah, and I know um, Scott, you're probably interested in Avowed because that's basically Pillars of Eternity, but as an Elder Scrolls game. Yeah. Um, and haven't seen much of it except for that one trailer. So a teaser. It, uh, yeah. I'll have to go on, but it, it's very interesting. I desperately want to see what they're doing with State of Decay 3, but I have severe doubts it'll be shown. Mm-hmm. Because that's been delayed uh, big time. And uh, although we've heard Phil Spencer say how great it's going to be, we hope so. Because it's basically going to be State of Decay 2.5 since uh, State of Decay 2 was never finished. As a matter of fact, you know, State of Decay 2 is getting yet another update. And this time they're making it uh, the forever uh, game in which you just keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. So that should be interesting. Um, But yeah, um, I wasn't a huge fan of The Outer Wilds. I know a lot of people were big, big fans of that game. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Contraband intrigues me the most because from what I understand from their description of it, it sounds like the heists from Grand Theft Auto V except better. Which one? Contraband. Oh, right. the From the dudes. Avalanche. Behind, yeah. From the the developers behind the. Uh, the oh, Just Cause. Just cause. That's the one. Yes. Yes. I'm always interested to see what kind of chaotic shenanigans they are willing to give us. And uh, they have continued to up the ante with each time they've come out. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what comes next from that game. And by the way, uh, today is Peter and Molyneux's birthday. And incidentally, um, I don't know how I feel about Fable. I mean, it's sort of like, yeah, it's OK. I mean, I've been burned on Fable. I'm just willing to wait and see on that. Do you think that we'll see Fable? No, but like I said, I don't have this burning need to see what it's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if it's going to be a Monty Python-esque uh, open world fantasy adventure, that's fine. I'm just waiting to see what it is. I mean, Redfall is basically going to be vampires meet. Um, uh, oh, damn it. What's the name of that stupid gear, gearbox series? Oh, Borderlands. Yeah. It's going to be Vampire Borderlands, uh, which is fine, you know. 
Arcane doesn't make bad games, so I'm I, I'm interested to see how it turns out. I'm hoping for something that is really frenetic, something that is just batshit crazy every step you take. You know, just just a lot of adrenaline going into that game because it seems like it wants to be sort of like a John Woo movie mixed with uh, Quentin Tarantino. You know, one of those melds. You know, sort of like El Mariachi with vampires, and I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. I'm. It's as much as we've had plenty of co-op looter shooters. I'm interested to see how Arcane plays with that genre. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to be if the looter shooter aspect is going to be stressed. It seems more like it's going to borrow. It's going to be like more borrowing towards Left for Dead, or at least that's how it seems than than Borderlands. But they described it as Borderlands with vampires, so. Yeah, each of the characters seems to have definitely a distinct skill set to them. And also, you can see the Deathloop influence on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the character design, well, I mean, Arcade Studios always has the same kind of character design, but this, I can see the Deathloop influence in it. Oh, you know what? I'm willing to bet you that maybe they'll be announcing Deadpool, uh, De- Deadpool Deathloop on, on, on Xbox if they're legally allowed to by then. And if they're going to announce the uh, Deathloop uh, Game of the Year edition. Did Deathloop ever get any DLC? Um, No. It, 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 you know, it's been out for long enough. And every one of the endings that you get for Deathloop, it ends on a very open note that makes it seem like there. It, it's easily it's easily ripe for follow-up. Or, you know, you can always have a mid-game expansions as well you know just new places to, to visit that sort of thing mm-hmm. but you can bet your bottom dollar that the next death loop will be a game of the year edition which will be released on all platforms including switch i'm, t- I'm saying that right now it's going to be on not only is it that version going to be on on xbox and playstation but it's also going to be on switch they're going to find a way to, to put it on switch i mean here's the thing that game is very stylistic, so you can bump down the resolution, and it's not going to lose much. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's really like it's it's so stylized that like I think that the aesthetic is what stands out the most, and and that as long as you preserve that, you'll still have a really good game. Anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Xbox has helped Fortnite sneak its way back onto iPhones from PC Gamer. Fortnite is back on iOS devices, sort of. And we have Microsoft to thank. Epic and Xbox have announced that Fortnite is now playable for free through Xbox Cloud Gaming. The mean the news means Fortnite can once again be played on iOS devices like iPhones and iPads despite being removed from the Apple the Apple App Store during the legal battle between Epic and Apple. All you need to stream Fortnite is a Microsoft account in a computer, iOS, or Android device with an internet connection. As of today, it doesn't require an Xbox Game Pass subscription. On iOS, you just have to open xbox.com slash play, and you'll be prompted to add the cloud gaming bookmark to your home screen. The Epic Games founder and CEO Tim Sweeney took to Twitter to share his excitement and take another dig at Apple. Monumental news, everyone, Sweeney wrote. 
Fortnite is now available to play for free, streaming to web browsers on iPhone, iPad, and Android via Xbox Cloud. No subscription required. No 30% Apple tax. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> The Xbox and Epic collaboration is interesting in part because during one of the the depositions in 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 the Apple case, Epic said it wasn't bringing Fortnite to Xbox's streaming service because it represented uh, competition. Funny how things change. Well, I mean, Um, it's not part of Game Pass. It's it's just being done for free. Yeah. And it just so happens to be that before this – Xbox made a move to make all free-to-play games no longer to require Xbox Live Gold. So you don't have to pay for a subscription to be on there. Um, And you know what that means? That's Halo. Hello. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Basically Halo. That's that's the biggest thing. I mean, there's other stuff. But, you know, like I think Warface and games like that. But, yeah, I mean, it was was all about the Halo. But since... uh, Gives Microsoft a way to dig at Apple. Hey, guess what? Let's just partner up with Epic and let them run uh, Fortnite on it, too. Yeah. And quite frankly, like this, it is just for it's Fortnite being on Xbox Game Cloud, which is important, like which is a big deal, which is like the game is still popular. A lot of people like to play it and it still gets content on a regular basis. Um. But this is so. But this um, for Epic Games, this is so much bigger <laughs> than just putting Fortnite on Epic on Xbox Cloud Gaming, and it like Tim Sweeney's tweet is a perfect encapsulation of that. I am very interested to see if Apple takes this quietly. Well, what are I, they going to do? They 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 really they legally cannot block out a website. <laughs> It's just right. xbox.com. <laughs> it's it's interesting because it's absolutely in a circumvention of Apple's ban. It's an encroachment on on Apple's on the legal decision that was awarded to Apple. Well, you can still visit epic.com on on Apple on the browser and it's just the fact that technology has gone beyond Apple's control. If they People are here's the thing you couldn't have Game Pass on um, you don't have Game Pass on um, Apple either. Everything yeah. is just being live streamed through a web- website. And an interesting point as well that goes alongside this that some people might not know is that early in the early in the legal battle between Apple and Epic, despite the fact that uh, that Epic said it wouldn't be bringing Fortnite to the streaming service. Microsoft came out in, in support of Epic Games. They they actually slammed Apple for uh, what they considered to be a sort of monopolistic uh, uh, monopolistic business practices regarding the App Store. And I think people forget that that Microsoft and Xbox were actually on Epic's side very early in this in this legal battle. Well, there's a reason for that though. Um, Epic is software. They're software creators. Apple are hardware creators, basically. They don't make anything. They don't. All they do is make devices. They don't. When's the last time you talk about Apple Games? And let's not talk about the indie gaming service that they did. Those were other developers. They just invited to be on it, you know. But what has Apple made? Even Microsoft is making games. You know, they're making the Age of Empires games. Well, obviously they're making games. I mean, uh, Microsoft games. You know, the base games. What is Apple making? 
What does mm-hmm. Apple make that Microsoft would even care about? I mean, when I first had an iPod, I had to put in a special card in order to run it. Now it just uses USB, so you don't really need that either. So, mm-hmm. And, I mean, Apple does have a suite of apps that are actually useful. Like, its health apps are pretty useful. Yeah. I know I know a lot of people that get a lot of use out of those. But Here's the thing. I, I will be getting, at some point, a new iPad, you know, when I need it. But I'm not compelled to get an iPad. Mm-hmm. So this will be interesting to see how it turns out because I don't think I don't think that Apple takes this quietly. Even if they, even if legally it's hard for them to do anything about it, I I think that it feels obvious that how much like this was a dig at Apple for Epic Games. And what are they going to do? Go to the judge and say they're not playing fair. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is not. Here's the thing. Technically, it's not. It's not Apple. It's not. It's not. It's not Epic at all. It's Microsoft. You know, because they're doing. They're doing cloud streaming over a website. You know. It is supremely cheeky, is what it is, and I appreciate it. And they can't go to the judge and say, "Well, Microsoft is helping Epic." No, there's other stuff that you can stream over it. They're helping everybody. With with website, I mean, I still well, I I, it's not a website. Uh, it's actually an app that I use, the Game Pass app. But here's the thing, you know, it's it's not just Microsoft's games. It's a lot of people's games that they're streaming, you know. So I don't know. Apple is just gonna have to take it because unless they're going to specifically blacklist Xbox.com, they don't have a leg to stand on. And what? And here's the thing: they can only do it on Safari, basically. What are they going to do? Tell Chrome, no, you can't do that. Tell Firefox, no, you can't do that. Or we'll ban you. We'll ban Firefox from Apple iOS. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I think you're right. I think that there's there's very limited action Apple can take. I just can't imagine that they also just sit there with their thumbs up their ass, like, well, that's that. Well, keep in mind, <laughs> these lawsuits are still going, so it's not like it's over. Mm-hmm. There's just there's just a lot of – they made a lot of rulings, but it's still not over yet. So we'll see. But, you know, I mean, I don't need to go to a website to do it on Android, although they're probably doing that to say, well, we're doing it on Android too. You know, Android has Game Pass in the Game Store. Game Pass is not in the iOS Game Store because Apple don't want App- uh, Game Pass either. So there's another reason for Apple to help Epic right there. And here, people don't seem to know this, but Microsoft's biggest moneymaker is not necessarily their games division. Their biggest moneymaker is their cloud storage, which everybody, including Sony, uses. Cloud, their cloud servers are gigantic. They are that is their big money maker right there. They invested in the future making these cloud, and now it's coming to fruition. Because I'm going to look this up right now. Microsoft, Sony, Cloud. Because there's a specific name for that cloud. Yeah, Azure. It's the Azure Cloud. And they had that strategic partnership back in 2019. Hmm. Scott, you have any opinion on this? Uh, nothing to add to that. Uh, yeah, just yeah, no opinion on that. Anyways, uh, 
Look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our Gaming History articles. If you enjoy your feedback, leave us comments on our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, this up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard Remore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. <laughs>